tonight. So we're going to look in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 1. And today we're concluding our series on big questions. And so what we've done is just the last, the last, really the last four or five weeks, we've just taken a look at, I really think, some of the big questions that people have about life. We've talked about questions like, you know, why, why does God allow there to be suffering? And then we've talked about other things as well. Why should I forgive? And today we're going to be taking a look. And I think probably one of the biggest questions is how can I know that when I die that I'm going to go to heaven? Um, I, I want to start off with this. Uh, Billy Graham was asked, this is back in the year 2000, he was asked by some of the leaders in Charlotte to come to a luncheon in his honor. Now at the time, Billy Graham was 81 years old. I mean, he was, he was already an older man then. He had Parkinson's disease. And he told him, he said, I, I really don't want to come to this meeting. I, I don't want to speak. I don't know if I have the energy for it. They said, listen, we just want to honor you. We just want you to come. We just want to honor you. You don't have to speak. And so after he went to the luncheon, they said all these nice things about him. And then because, you know, because he's a preacher, you know, he decided he needed to go and speak. And so they got finished and he stood up and said, hey, this just reminds me of something. I want to share this story with you, then I'll be done. He told him a story. He said back in, uh, back a year before, Time Magazine had named Albert Einstein the man of the century. And he said, and I was thinking about him, and he said, there's a story about him. He was traveling from Princeton on a train, and the conductor was coming around. He was looking for everybody's tickets, collecting them. And whenever they got to, got to Albert Einstein, Einstein tried to grab his ticket, but he couldn't find it. And so he started patting his pockets, and he said, I, I don't know where my ticket is. And the conductor recognized him. I mean, he's a fairly recognizable guy with that great hairdo. And so he told him, he said, listen, I know who you are. Don't worry about it. It's, it's fine. I know that you paid for your ticket. And so uh, Einstein, you know, just simply kept, kept on patting his pockets. And he, he walked on, the conductor did, collecting tickets. And when he looked back, he said Einstein was on his hands and knees. And he's looking under his seat, looking for this ticket. And so he, he walked back to him and said, Mr. Einstein, he said, I know who you are. Don't, don't worry about it. And Einstein looked back at him and said, I know who I am too. I just don't know where I'm going. Now, Billy Graham, after he told that story, he said, uh, that it kind of reminded me of me. He said, now, I, I'm wearing a brand new suit today. And he said, now, this suit I'm wearing, he said, this is the suit I'm going to be buried in. He said, now, when I'm buried in it, he said, I don't want you to remember that I'm wearing this suit. He said, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember this about me. That I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. Now, I think most of us have a desire to have that kind of a confidence about where we're going to spend our eternity. Now, I really believe this. I believe most of us, we just simply hope that we're going to go to heaven. But Scripture lets us know that we can know whether or not we're going to go to heaven. And so that's why we're looking in 1 John today. In 1 John, the disciple John shared with the people he was writing to that they could live with confidence, that they could live with certainty concerning where they were going to spend their eternity. And so that's why we're going to look in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 1. And the letter he was writing to, he was, he was writing this letter to the church probably in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he was, he was writing this letter to them. Because they had had some, some teachers who were coming in and teaching them some, some things about the Christian faith that, that weren't true. And they were, they were telling people things like, you know, it doesn't matter how you live, you do whatever you want to do, everything's going to be okay with God. And, and it just caused a lot of confusion. And so then people began to wonder, well, you know, what, what exactly is our faith? What's, what's it all about? How can I know for certain that I really belong to God? 
And so John wrote 1 John chapter 5, verse number 1, 1 through 5, to share with them how they could know that they're going to go to heaven. So how, how can we have certainty about our eternal destination? Well, first of all, it begins with this. You can know that you're going to heaven, according to what Scripture says, if you believe Jesus is the Messiah. And that's where it all starts in verse number 1. It's real simple. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been born of God. And everyone who loves the parent, now the parent is God, also loves his child. And of course, we know God's son was Jesus. So, so look again in verse 1. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been born of God. Now the question is this, what does it mean to believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Now that word believe, it means to place your confidence in, to place your faith in. And it's sort of like, let's say, let's say you're playing a card game, you know, for, uh, you know, maybe for snacks, because we don't play for money here. Okay, so you're playing, you're playing this card game, and you look at your hand, and you know you have an unbeatable hand. And in no way anybody can beat you. So what do you do with your chips? You take your chips and you shove them all in. Say, I am all in. Now, why are you all in? Because you know you can't be beat. Now, whenever Jesus is the hand that you are playing with in life, that he's a part of your life, you can go all in with him because there is nothing that can overtake Jesus and defeat him. Now, you might say, well, now, now why do you think that? Why do you believe that? You know, well, it's because of who Jesus is. Well, who is he? Verse number one, it tells us who he is. It says, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, the word Messiah is a word, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard that before. Jesus is Messiah. But what does that mean? He's the Messiah. The word Messiah, it means the anointed one. It means he was anointed by God, chosen by God to be the one who would enter into our world to rescue people, to be our savior, to be our deliverer. That's why every Christmas, one of the things we talk about is whenever Joseph found out that his fiancée, Mary, was with child, it threw him for a loop, right? Because, I mean, he had been pure and faithful to her, and now all of a sudden she's going to have a baby. I'm sure that he was a little bit irritated. And so an angel had to come and speak to him. And the angel told him in Matthew 1, 20 and 21, said an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She's not been cheating on you. God is the one who made her carry a child and she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. So why is it so important that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Because we are believing, we are having faith and confidence that he is the only one who can deal with our debt of sin. He came to rescue us from the penalty of sin. And know what's sin? Well, the word sin, it is, and I've shared this y'all, with you all this before, it, it means to miss the mark. It's a picture of an archer shooting his arrow at a target and he misses it. So that's what sin is. God has a target for us, and, and, and we try as hard as we can to hit that target, but none of us hits it. Now, some of us might say, well, I, I just barely miss the target. And I miss it, but I just barely miss it. So there's some of us that, that just miss it by a little bit. Now, there are others of you I know, man, you miss it by miles, right? 
And it's, but it doesn't matter. I mean, a miss is a miss. And so we are in trouble because of that miss. So what do we need? Well, we need somebody to come and help us hit the target. Because if we miss it, then our relationship with God has been severed. And there are ramifications that come with that. So that's why we need a, we need a rescuer. We need a Messiah. That's why we believe and trust in Jesus. It, it is only Jesus who lived life without sin, without any blemish. And so he came here to rescue you. We're told in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Acts 4.12 says, There is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. So what does that mean? It means the only one who can take care of our penalty of sin is the Savior. It is the Messiah. That's why we're told that when we trust in Jesus, we have been born of God. Okay, now if you are born of God, you trust in Jesus, you are born of God, what does that mean? If you're born of God, it means you're in His family. Right? Now if I'm in His family, that means that I get to inherit what belongs to my Heavenly Father. Does that sound good? If I'm in his family, if I believe and trust in Jesus, it says I am born of God. So now I am in his family. I belong to him. And you might say, well, what if I get kicked out of his family? Well, think about your own family. Those of you who have kids. Is there anything that you can do that will erase the fact that you are the father or the mother of your child? Now, you might say, I'm kicking you out of the house. But let me tell you something. Your DNA cannot be removed from that kid. Matter of fact, if you want to tick your children off and they think that you're not very smart, you can say, hey, well, I got bad news for you then. Your blood is my blood. So you think I'm dumb, just think how you're going to be. Right? So, I mean, but once, your, once your blood is in your kid, he is always your kid. The same thing is true with God. Once you are born of God, you always belong to God. You are always in his family. Now, in that great news, I will always belong to Him. Matter of fact, we are told in 1 John 5, 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been born of God. You believe that, you are in God's family. Now, our salvation isn't dependent, dependent on what we believe. It's dependent on whom we believe. We believe in Jesus. Remember, believe, it means to place your confidence in not believe about Jesus, you believe in Jesus. And then he does the work to save you. You don't do the work, he does. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by your works, so that no one can boast. So that means that the person, the mark of a person who is truly a part of God's family is one who believes... That Jesus is the Messiah. That is the foundation for it all. It's the identity of Jesus, who he is. Uh, my wife Emily, is, she's a real estate agent. And so she, you know, she shows houses and stuff. And, and I'll ask Emily, I'll say, Emily, what, is the, you know, what, what, what are people looking for in a house? You know, what, is the, what are some of the most important things to a person in a house? You know, what are the rooms 
that really sell a house? Y'all know what it is? What do you think it is? Yeah, how do y'all know that? Like, I didn't know that. So she's like, kitchen and bathroom. It's like, what? I can't, I mean, I'm never in the kitchen, right? So I mean, I just like, like I enjoy it comes out of the kitchen. But a kitchen and a bathroom, I know this, if you want to fix either one of those rooms, I mean, it costs a ton of money. But that is what sells houses. Now, I'm no real estate agent, but I know this. You can have the best kitchen and you can have the best bathroom in the world. I never understand. The bathroom thing blows me away. Why are they so important? Have you ever seen some of the showers? Emily showed me some showers, like, you know, six nozzles in there. I was like, what? And it's like you could bathe a football team in the bathroom. I don't know why anybody wants that. So anyway, so there's all this stuff people have. But, but you can have all that great stuff in your house, but if your foundation's not any good, it, it doesn't matter. You have the nicest bathroom in the world. But if it doesn't have a good foundation, eventually that sucker's going to come crumbling down. Everything hinges on the foundation. When it comes to us going to heaven, everything hinges on the foundation. What is the foundation? Jesus is the Messiah. That is the foundation for everything. And what we discover about the foundation of Jesus is that he is without flaw. Now, if you are placing your hope in your deeds about going to heaven, or your hope in your accomplishments, or your hope in some other religion, I I want you to know this, that foundation is flawed. And eventually it's going to come crashing down. So how can we know we're going to heaven? You believe Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus said that there is no one who comes to the Father except through Him. That's it. So that's how, that's how you can know you're going to heaven. You believe Jesus is the Messiah. Second thing you can know about going to heaven. You can know you're going to heaven if you keep His commands. If you keep the commands of Jesus. Now look with me in verse number 2. It says, this is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey His commands. For this is what love for God is. What's love for God? To keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden. Another part of scripture that goes along with this is found in the same book. It's it's chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. It says, this is how we are sure that we have come to know him, to know God. By keeping his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, yet doesn't keep his commands. Bible says he is a liar. And the truth's not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is perfected. And this is how we know we are in him. The one who who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Now, Now this is where we have to be careful about being a rules and regulations people. You know, we can think, if I I follow all the commands of God, it's like this little checklist, if I do all these things, I do them pretty well, then I've earned my way into God's good favor. No, you don't. None of us can earn our way into God's good favor because God demands perfection. And some of you might say, well, I'm going to come to God when I get everything worked out here. Make it right. Say, you're never going to be good enough. It's sort of like getting married. You know, I'm going to get married when I have enough money. You ain't never going to have enough money, you know? Now, if you're waiting until you get right and good before you're going to trust in God, it's just never going to happen. You're never going to be good enough on your own. So, so what's the deal here? What's, 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 you know, what's John saying? He said, if I keep his commands, then it shows that, that I love God. I mean, I, I look at the, the key to this. It's verse number three. It says, for this is what love for God is. 
Love for God is to keep His commands. We're not a part of God's family because we keep His commandments. It's because we love God that we keep His commandments. You know, keeping God's commandments isn't what makes you a Christian. But what shows that you are a Christian is that you will keep His commandments. Now you might say, well man, there's times whenever I mess up. There's times whenever I don't do that very well. I fall off the wagon. Doesn't that show that I don't belong to Him? It says we are to keep His commandments. That word keep, is a, it is an ancient sailor's word, a mariner's term. And it's in reference to keeping to the stars. Now, ancient sailors, you know, they didn't have GPS systems or anything like that. So if they're going to sail, how did they get where they needed to go? Well, they would, they would watch the stars. The path of the stars back then is the same as they are today. So it was a great way to navigate. So they'd keep to the stars. And so when they kept to the stars, they were able to arrive where they needed to go. Now, that sounds good, but then you start thinking, well, what about when it gets cloudy? Then what do you do? Well, you're in trouble because you can't keep to the stars anymore. So what do you do? What, what you, you, don't, you, know, you don't just say, well, I'm just going to take off on my own try to figure this out by myself. What you do is you wait. You wait, and then whenever you see the stars again, then you're able to get back on track. Well, that's what, that's what it means for us to keep to God's Word. We keep our eyes on what Scripture says, and we're, I'm going to direct my life according to what God says. And sometimes there are clouds that come in the way and kind of get us off course, and we waver. But the key is not to give up. The key is to... To, to just simply wait until the clouds pass and to be looking back to what God's Word has to say so we can get back on track. Now, here's the deal. When, when you follow God, He changes your heart. He makes you a different person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that when we are in Christ, He makes us into a new creature. And that's going to change the way that we live. Jesus said in Matthew 7.20, By their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, if you want to know if you belong to God, examine your actions. And Jason, check and see how, how, do you, how do you live your life. Check and see if you're keeping to the stars, if you're allowing God's Word to guide and direct the decisions that you make. And, and to be honest, if you really look into the book, I mean, it can be overwhelming. You look into Scripture. See, God, listen to some of the stuff God calls us to do. He calls us to love our enemies. Oh, that's easy. You know, he, he, he calls for us to be faithful and true to honor our parents, to make sure that no unwholesome words come out of our mouths. And you start reading through it, and you're like, man, this is hard to do. This stuff's strict. You know, that, that, that's such a huge burden. How, can I, how in the world can I carry that kind of weight? And that's why I think it's interesting that verse number 3 tells us that Christ's commands are not a burden to those who follow Him. That word burden, it means to be heavy in weight. Now, how is it possible that the commands of God don't weigh us down? Because our motivation is love. You know, whenever you love, when you love someone, you sacrifice. And, and you do it gladly. I mean, parents with your kids, I mean, do you ever sit there and when your kids sit down for dinner, do you sit there and do you resent it that they're eating food? Because you're thinking, God, this is so expensive. I mean, do you ever, now if, if you do that, don't tell anybody. But yeah, you know, but you don't do that. I mean, because you love your kids, right? I mean, you're like, yeah, yeah you don't even, it doesn't even cross your mind that, that it costs you money. To, it costs a lot of money to have kids, but but you do it because you love your kids. Whenever you were guys, whenever you were getting ready to get engaged, and you were buying your fiance that um, the engagement ring. I mean, did you sit there and did you resent it 
thinking, gosh, this costs so much money. You know, back then, no, you're, you're just so in love. You're like, man, I, I'm, I'm going to get that. I'm going to sacrifice because I want her to be impressed, and I'm excited to get, get it for her. You know, when, when you love someone, it, it's not a burden to carry some of the weight. And the same idea is true in our walk with Christ. We keep his commands because we love him, because of what he's done for us. We don't look at it and resent God. We are thankful to him. So how can we know that we're going to heaven? Well, if, if you, you can know it if you believe Jesus is the Messiah. You can know you're going to heaven if you keep his commands. And here's the last one. You can know you're going to heaven because of this. Because Jesus keeps his word. When Jesus makes a promise, he will always keep his promise. Now look at me. The final verse is verse 5. It says, and who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You know, for those of us who have grown up in the church, maybe some of you, and you might have, have become a follower of Jesus when you were a kid, and then, and then time passes and you start, it's, not, it's easy to wonder, I, I've wondered this, did I mean that? You know, did I really, did I even know what I was doing? You know, is that, is, did God really, did he really save me then? And then I, I go back to verse 5, and hope you will too. If you look in verse number 5, it says, those, for, uh, those of us who believe, that Jesus is the Son of God, it says they will conquer the world. Now that sounds good. If you're, I mean, you know, when you're a kid, I'm going to conquer the world. It sounds good. What's it talking about? Well, in the world, everything in this world is on a course, on a path to destruction. You know, it's the second law of thermodynamics. You know, basically, everything that has, nothing is getting better and better as time goes by. Everything is deteriorating as time goes by. Right? Or, <laughs> yes. You know, we get older and like, oh my gosh, what happened to me? Uh, I can't see anymore. Uh, you know, my hair's turning gray. I'm sore. That, that, that is life. That's what happens. Things naturally deteriorate. But with Jesus, uh, the, the law, the second law of thermodynamics is out the window. Because Jesus takes us as we are deteriorating and then he says, I will give you new life. I will provide heaven for you. Death will not have the final say over your life. And that sounds so good. But you say, but what if that's not true? What if, what if I say that I'm going to follow Jesus, I believe in him, but then I die? What if I'm not saved? What if what God says isn't true? Well, that's where, that's where faith comes into play here. Yeah, we have to have faith. Well, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 gives a great definition of it. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It comes down to this, us trusting that when God makes promises, that he keeps his promises. That's faith. You have to trust that. Now, I can sit here and try to prove to you that there's a God, but ultimately, even if I can, ultimately, there, there's still a faith element that's involved here. We have to trust his promises. Now, what are some of the promises that God's given us in the Bible? I'll just name a few. Here's some of the promises that God's given, and and you have to have faith to trust them. Forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise from God. Some of us need to hang on to that promise. Some of us say we believe it, but then we we just beat the tar out of ourselves about things from the past when we've already confessed it to God. We have to trust God. Let that go and believe him. Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord 
and then you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you know what the Bible says? You'll be saved. You'll be rescued from sin. That is a promise from God. John 14, you trust in Jesus? You know what Jesus said? He said, I have built a home for you where you will live forever in heaven. It's a promise from God. Well, what else has he promised us? Philippians 4. He promises a peace for his people that is beyond human comprehension. Hebrews 6.18 tells us God does not lie. He tells the truth. Now, what's our job? We have a choice. We're going to have faith and believe those promises or not. You're going to trust what God says to me. How, how can I know that I can trust God? Here's how you can know. Uh, the greatest predictor of the future is what has happened in the past. A person's past performance is an indicator of future performance. That's why when you go to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, Joshua told the people before he's getting ready to die, he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, why did he say that? Because he said, I've looked in the past, and I've seen that in the past, God has always kept his promises. Therefore, I am having faith that in the future, he's going to perform the same way. And so in Joshua twenty three fourteen, he said, I am now going the way of the earth, and you know with all your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God has given you has failed. He said, everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. Now, do you believe it? Will you trust him? Will you have faith that his promises are true? You know, it reminded me of, of uh, whenever, you know, whenever your kids are little and you, you, know, you put them in the bathtub and they're little babies and they're little seats and, and you get shampoo and, and you, know, you, you wash their hair. And you tell, Lean your head back, wash their hair. Because I, I used to bathe our kids all the time. I'm kidding. And so I'd watch Emily do it. And so you know, she's washing their hair and she'd get a little cup of warm water and then she'd rinse it off. And when she does, she's like, you know, can you just look at mama? Keep your eyes on me. And she'd pour it on. And what would the kid do as soon as the water hits their head? They'd bend their head down immediately. You know, it's just, it, it freaks them out. You know, it scares them. And they do that, and then shampoo goes into their eyes, and they start screaming. And they, don't do that. Look at me. Uh, that is what God is doing with us. You know, it's like we're sitting in the bathtub, and he's, he's washing us. He's cleansing us. Keep your eyes on me. And there's a lot of stuff in the world that enters in, and it gets on our face. And what do we do? We immediately jerk our eyes away from God. And all the shampoo, all the dirt, and the grime from this world runs into our eyes, and we start screaming, and God the entire time says, just keep your eyes on me. See, the promises that I've given you, when I give you promises, when all the junk in life is coming your way, God is saying, keep your eyes on my promises and trust them, and what you're going to to discover is his word is true. And he will watch over you. Now, now here's the question. Can, Can we know for certain that when we die... That we're going to heaven. Because I think sometimes we think, yeah, it sounds good, but I'm not going to know until I am standing before God in judgment, and then I'm going to find out. God, let me tell you something. That, that is a scary way to live. I do not want to wait to know until I'm standing before God whether or not I'm going to make it. I want to know now. And here's the neat thing. Scripture says we can know now. It's like, no, where does it say that? In the same chapter, verse 13, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, John wrote this, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God 
so that you may know that you have eternal life. Isn't that good? Right now, God wants you to know that you have eternal life. So, so how, how can I know that? Well, you can know you're going to heaven if you believe Jesus is the Messiah. You can know that you're going to heaven if you keep his commands. And finally, you can know that you're going to heaven because Jesus keeps his word. So here's the final question. Do you know for certain where you're going to spend your eternity? If you were to die right now, do you have confidence that you're going to be with Jesus? Because if you don't, Scripture today lets us know that you can know now. And you can have confidence in it. Okay, so here's how we're going to close. What I'd like for us to do is I'd just like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And, for, and there might be some of you here today, and you say, I do not have certainty about where I'm going to spend my eternity. But I want to have it. Then I'm going to encourage you, just where you're seated, if you would just, just, you can just do this silently. You can pray this prayer to God. There's nothing magic in it. It's just between you and the Lord. And you can call out to him and pray this prayer. Just simply pray to him. Say, Jesus, I confess that I am sinful. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And I believe that you went to a cross and you died Jesus, I believe that after three days you got up from the grave alive. So today I'm asking you to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I will follow you. Now with no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer, a couple things I want to ask you to do. One, I want to, I want to ask you, if you would, if you just take your bulletin out, and there's a contact form in there. If you fill out that contact form and just check that line that says you committed your life to Christ. And then you can tear that out. And our ushers at the back, they're going to be holding baskets. As we leave, you can just drop that slip of paper in there. And that will enable us to get you some information in the mail about growing in your walk with Christ. But the other thing that I want you to do is just simply to tell someone close to you, your wife, your friend, pastor, whoever it might be that you're close to, and say, today I gave my life to Jesus. And let them rejoice with you. Because Jesus wants you to have certainty that you belong to Him. That your eternity is squared away. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for your word. I am thankful for the promises that you give. Jesus, I thank you that you want us to know, even today, that we can know for certain where we're going to spend our eternity. Lord, I pray there will be people today who will follow you and become a part of your family. In Jesus' name I pray.